the cross. It was meant to horrify the world. It was meant for humiliation. It was meant to last for days. It was meant for slow asphyxiation. It was meant to prolong torture. It was the Roman soldier's job. It was meant to be used by Caesar, but instead, it was used by God. It was meant to stop a movement, but instead, it became the way. It was meant to act on fear, but instead, it awakened faith. It was meant to be vicious and violent, but instead, it became our peace. It was meant to uproot hope, but instead, it became the seed. It was meant to punish captives, but instead, it unleashed freedom. It was meant to build up Rome, but instead, it built God's kingdom. It was meant to discourage rebels. It was meant to stop insurrection. It was meant to put down Jesus, but instead it set up his resurrection. It was meant to jeer and mock him, but instead it was his glory. It was meant to erase a chapter, but instead it became the story. It was meant to hold up convicts, but instead it raised up a king. It was meant to shut our mouth, but instead it's why we sing. It was meant to be a judgment, but instead it became our mercy. It's why the song of heaven is the lamb. The lamb is worthy. It was meant to kill an enemy, crush dissenters and diversion, but instead it became the banner of God's love for every person. It was meant to be appalling, nailing hands and feet to wood. It was meant to be used for evil, but instead it was used for good. It was meant to be a symbol of God's assassination, but instead it became the symbol of Jesus's invitation. Come to the cross. Instead of sin and stain, you are meant to be made clean. Instead of being forgotten, you are meant to know your sin. Instead of being ashamed, you can leave behind your guilt. Instead of feeling empty, you were meant to be fulfilled. Instead of being broken, you are meant to be made whole. Here, Calvary is calling. It beckons you. Behold, come to the cross. Instead of being an accident, you have a purpose and a plan. Instead of being abandoned, you were chosen by His hand. For all who've said, I can't, God has said, I can. No matter what you've done, the invitation stands. Come to the cross. Instead of being doubtful, you are meant to know your father. You are meant to be his son and you are meant to be his daughter. You were cherished from the start. You are always in the picture. Instead of being a victim, you are meant to be a victor. The result of Jesus' blood, salvation has arrived. Instead of being dead, you are meant to be alive. The cross, 
was meant to signal death, but instead, it's a sign of living. It was meant to be the end, but instead, it's our beginning. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Jesus is alive. Amen. He is alive. And everything changes at this point in time when we know that Jesus is alive. Now, last week we celebrated Palm Sunday and we learned about his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And there was great excitement in the air and, and many people started to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the highest. And if you recall, Hosanna in the highest brings attention upward and heavenward. It brings it upward and heavenward. And it's really a, 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 a cry, a, a plea for help. Some of us just need help, right? And so it's a, it's, a, it's a cry for help. It's also a time of celebration and excitement. And so they shouted, the king is here. The Jews have been waiting for their Messiah, uh, the Christ, the anointed one, the, the chosen one of God to show up and to deliver them from the heavy hand of Roman rule. But God had a different plan. He had a different plan. And he didn't come on uh, as a conquering king, but he came as a suffering servant. And so very quickly, things have changed. They changed from excitement and celebration to really a very dark time in, in, this, in this season. And at the end of the week, they start yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And before you know it, he's hung on a cross. He was beaten, he was whipped, he was tortured. It's horrific. He's dead. Jesus was dead and he was placed in a tomb. But then a few days later, right? Three days later, he arose. He arose. Resurrection Sunday, he arose. He's alive and Jesus is alive and we celebrate that. And because of that, one day too, we will be resurrected as well and be with him. And what a glorious day that will be when we will be with Christ Jesus, our King and King, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so, hallelujah. And so this is where the story is. And the story is going to take us on a very emotional journey, maybe a roller coaster ride for some of you. Now, in today's society, Easter is about family and gatherings and and Easter egg hunts and chocolate and, and bunnies and marshmallow bunnies and chocolate and more chocolate. You can never have enough chocolate, so, so I'm told. But there, there's nothing wrong with these things, right, on the surface. But life doesn't really necessarily change. The trajectory of your life doesn't necessarily change because you have these things either. And really in a few days, just a few days to follow, it's over. And the celebration is over and the sugar rush has come down and you're like back to normal, back to COVID, back to all the nonsense that's been happening for the last year and a half, back, back to work, back to all the news, back to life. Nothing has really changed. There really isn't hope at that point. Well, today we look to the cross. And today we come to the cross and we look at the cross. It leads us to the resurrection. Amen. And this is exciting. And so for some, it's going to be heavy. It's going to be hard. Uh, maybe it's going to be hard to hear and grasp uh, what's happening. But I assure you, this is a message of love and hope and, and it will change your life. 
Yeah, I saw that too. It just happened. But praise God. We don't need to, you know, God, listen, the devil wants to distract people. All right? That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to distract people. And he doesn't want you to hear this message, this message of love and this message of hope. So stay, stay with us and, and, stay, and stay focused, right? It'll be worth it all. I promise you. But Palm Sunday has now passed. The celebration is now over. And we're going to look at the cross and come to the cross. And as we approach it, I believe each one has to experience something. You have to, your choices are going to have to be made. And you're going to experience something. And it's going to be different emotions for everybody. They, different feelings as you approach the cross, as you come to the cross, right? Instead of pushing those feelings down and, and changing and going to something else, right? Um, allow yourself to experience these, these emotions. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak with you and to experience the cross and experience the resurrection because Jesus is not dead. He's alive. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. I just wish the bird was a dove today. Let's just talk about it. You want to talk about it? A bird came in here and came in and out. It's a black bird. We wish it was a dove. All right? So let, let's get that done. If you haven't seen it, stop looking for it because I see everybody looking in the air for a bird. All right? We know it's here. We hope it went to sleep, but it didn't go to sleep. All right? Praise God. All right, listen. Stand with me and let's, let's read God's word. All right? Let, let's, let's stay focused on here today. All right? Uh, we were praying for a dove. The wrong, all right? The enemy is a liar. That's what I said that earlier. The enemy is a liar and a thief, and he wants you to take away your joy and your focus. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. But this gospel you're saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you, you believe in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you as first importance that Christ died for our sins. Listen, according to scripture, he was buried. He was raised on the third day according to scripture. And he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, the most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, meaning some have died. And then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, and, to, and, to, and the last of all he appeared to, to me also, as to the one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church. Remember, Paul was a persecutor. He persecuted the church. He was a Pharisee, a Jewish Pharisee, and he, he cheered. He cheered when these things, when saints were tortured, when saints were even killed, right, and, and brought harm. He cheered. And so verse 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was working within me, that was within me. Whether then it was I or they, that is what, was, what we preached, and this is what you believed. But if I preach the Christ, that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? There is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses of God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. Just, just a few more scriptures. But he did not raise him from, if, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For the dead are not raised, then Christ was not raised either. 
Verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Again, those who are dying, this is not them taking a nap, it's falling asleep, they die. If only for those, for this life, we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the, of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all died, so in Christ all will be made alive. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for sending your son into this world to die so that we can live, Father God. Bless these words, O oh God. Anoint my lips, O oh God. And bless the hearer today, O oh God. Open up their eyes and their ears and their mind to receive this word today, O oh God. Help them to focus on you and you alone in this very hour. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. To understand the resurrection, we also need to understand the cross. Why did Jesus have to go to the cross and die? Was there some other way? And the simple answer is no. The truth is no. There's no other way. God ordained it to be this way. And while we're going to look at the problem, which is sin, which is death, which is banishment from, from God, a holy God, we will eventually journey to the cross and we will take a look at the power of the resurrection. So we're going from a problem to a solution, a problem to the power of the resurrection of God. And for those who have ever experienced the death of a friend or death of a, of a loved one and the pain and the suffering and the trials that come along with that, we have a hope and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that one day we will be united with the other saints of God. For those who have united first with Jesus Christ, the resurrected King, Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. So let me explain this first. The problem. The problem. The problem. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the word all here is really simple to understand. All means all. Okay? Everyone, everywhere on the planet, on planet Earth, there is sin and they have sinned. All people have sinned. We are sinners. And sin separates us from a holy and a pure God. Sin destroys. Sin kills. Sin separates. Sin is the reason why there's pain and there's suffering in this earth. Sin is why there's evil out there. Sin is why we physically die. Because of our sins, we deserve death. And Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So because of our sin, we die. But because of Christ, we live. Amen. We live. We live. And what he has done on the cross and through the cross is the reason why we can live. Now, this might be confusing to some people, but because our experience shows us and generally tells us we're all going to die. But scripture tells us something else. Scripture explains that while we physically die, we actually will live forever. We will live forever. And scripture explains the reason why we physically die, but also explains why we, are, we spiritually come to life. And, and, and we will live in this life to come. It might not be what you have taught, been taught. It might not be tradition. It might not be what you have always understood or currently believed. But this church believes in the Bible and teaches the Bible. Not what we think, uh, not what tradition tells us or the way the world tells us to think or what science has revealed to us, but, but what the Bible 
reveals to us. What the Bible reveals. The Bible is, the, is God's declared word to us. And, and we're not against science. Let me be clear. True science reveals God's truth. True science reveals God's truth. God made the universe and everything that's in it. It's pretty simple to understand. You don't have to be a scientist. You don't have to be a school teacher to prove it. In fact, they can't prove it. They can't recreate creation by their own scientific methods, means, ways, models, right? They can't replicate creation in some kind of lab. And so what is often taught is a theory. Um, it's not a fact. And so at a minimum, their faith is being promoted through their science. Now, Darwin had an idea, an idea of evolution. It's often referred to as Darwin's theory of evolution. For some reason, it's taught as a fact. But it's, the fact is, it's only a theory. It has never been proven, and it can't be proven scientifically either. In fact, I believe if you teach creation and Darwin theory side by side, that I believe many people are going to come with this idea of a supreme being we call God who created everything, created the universe, created you and me, right? We simply did not come from monkeys and something, nothing to something, right? Or what, what we think is a random particle that collided with random particles that someone had to push them, right? Someone had to at least push them and bring them together so they collide, right? And so these random particles in space and time somehow moved and randomly collided and safe in, in space and time with other particles and voila, we're here. I mean, that's a great leap of faith if you ask me. What they're actually kind of saying is that we're randomness. We're random particles, right? And so if random particles and, then, and, we're, and, and, it, and it were just pieces of matter, then does life really matter? And that creates a whole host of trouble when your identity is with monkeys and your identity is with matter that really doesn't matter and that's why people just are abused and the world has gone nuts because life doesn't really matter. The world views faith through their theories of, of science and, and with that they try to disprove the Bible. I don't, again, not all science. Not all science. But they try, to, they try to disprove God, right? And what's happened? They try to tell us that God's not real, that your experience is not real and, and it's just emotional and all this stuff and that his words and his ways are not supreme, but they are. His ways are truthful. His ways are reliable. You can trust them. You might not understand them all, but you can trust them all. And I would say it takes way much, much more faith to believe some of these theories that they're trying to push down our children's throats and what they've been teaching for 20, 30 years than for you to simply believe in Yahweh and believe in God and believe that he's the great I am and he's the resurrected one. And over and over again, the Bible and the Bible prophecies have been accurate, have been truthful, have been reliable. And it makes no sense to me to deny these words. And, and true science only backs them up even more and proves the validity of it. In fact, I believe that it's academically foolish to try uh, to reject the supremacy of the Bible. Again, the problem is sin. And sin separates us from truth. And it has damaged the way we think as human beings on planet Earth. Romans 1, chapter 1, 18 to 24 kind of puts this in a thing here. The wrath, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the, the godlessness and the wickedness of men who, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. And since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them for sins, the creation of the world, his invisible 
qualities, he, eternal power, divine nature, has been clearly, clearly seen. You could highlight and underline some of these words. Clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, creation, so that men, so people, are without excuses. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. These are idols, images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their heart. So the wickedness of man, the wickedness of people have suppressed the truth in the words of God. They deny the truth. They deny who God is. They deny creation and therefore their foolish hearts became darkened. Sin will lead you astray every time. Eventually it will lead to death and banishment from God's presence and from your loved ones. So how do we solve this problem? Have we solved this problem? You can't. You cannot do this on your own. It's impossible for you to solve this on your own. There, there is a price that needs to be paid, and you are not able to pay that price. You do not have the ability to pay this price. You're not smart enough. You're not good looking enough. You don't have enough money to do this, right? You cannot do this on your own, right? There's only one person who can do that, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the only way to Father God. He's the only perfect one who ever lived. The only one who can set us free from this sting, from this problem, from the sting of death and our destiny with hell. He's the only one who can solve this problem for us. So what is the price? What is the cost uh, from spiritual death and separation from God? Let's talk about it. The price. The price. A life for a life. John 3, verse 14 says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the man must be lifted up. And if you recall from Scripture, Moses lifted up the snake onto a cross, and then healing and saving took place. And so the Son of Man must be lifted up on the cross as well. It's very symbolic there. This was part of God's eternal plan. He set the price, and, and Christ would have to die on a cross and give his life to pay for it. Again, the only perfect one, the sinless one who can do this. He gave his life so that we get our life. And we can have our life. Without him, our, our destiny is hell. Banishment from a holy God, a pure God. Banished from God's presence for eternity. But because of the work on the cross and through the cross, we can have life. We have abundant life. Amen? Now, in the beginning of time, in the book of Genesis, it takes you all the way back, really, to the beginning of time on planet Earth. We learned that Satan, the devil, came into the Garden of Eden and was tempting Adam. And, and he was able to tempt Adam, and Adam was the first human being and yielded to, to the devil instead of yielding to God. And when Adam disobeyed God and yielded to Satan, he sinned. And from that time, death and decay entered planet Earth and entered Earth, uh, the heart of man as well, and entered the heart of humanity as well. And so we're all sinners and because of the fall, but not only because of the fall, because of our fall. And because we all make choices to deny the resurrected Savior and the work that He's done on the cross. So sin separates us now from God. Sin kills, sin destroys, but Christ comes to give us life. 
He's the one who paid the price, a life for a life. And his life was given so that you can live and breathe on planet Earth. The plan, the plan, John 3, 15 through 17, that everyone, anyone, everyone who believes in God may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent his son not into the world to condemn you, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, that, the that you will be saved. And God loves us. He loves us. And when we see the cross, we must understand God is love and God loves you greatly. And you may never think you felt his embrace, but he gave you life. And so you need to understand that he loved you so much. But yet we are all sinners. And so he needed to put a plan into action. In the Old Testament, the priests would do sacrifices. They would sacrifice animals, usually a lamb to atone for the, for the man, for the human, for sins. But we know that this process would just not last, right? And it needed to be done over and over and over again. Why? Because the priest would sin. Why? Because the people would sin. Why? Because we're humans and we would fail. We make choices. Why? Because the process of this, of this lamb was not, was not able to, to, to hold it long enough and to clear it long enough. So a greater sacrifice needed to be done, right, to solve this problem once and for all. And that is Jesus. And that is the Messiah. And that is the Christ. That is the anointed one. That is who we celebrate today on Easter. The perfect lamb of God who came to set us free from sin and bondage and from hell. He sacrificed his life for our life. He would die on a cross and he would do this work once and for all. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Amen. Shall be saved. He paid the price. He paid it in full. John 1, 29 says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And God's plan was to send his son Jesus to earth. And then to die on a cross, his death will pay the penalty for our sins. He gave his life so that we can live. He, re he replaced us or submitted himself for us. We were to die. But he took our shame, he took our pain, he took our suffering on a cross. And because of that, he paid the price with his life. He redeemed us. He ransomed us and we can now live with him for eternity. Our sins will be forgiven and removed for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and trust him with his life. In fact, if it, it wasn't just for the human race, you have to understand that it was for all creation that he suffered because sin has affected creation as well. And so his death and his resurrection turns things around hallelujah back to the way God designed it back to what I believe a garden state of affairs right back back to time where sin did not exist on planet earth right but but he's coming he's coming and that time is coming but that has not happened yet where we have the garden state on earth and so when we say Jesus redeemed us we have this idea of him purchasing Something And Jesus purchased us with his own blood that was shed on a cross. And so God loved us so much that he wants none to perish, 
No, not one. He doesn't want any of you in this room or anyone hearing from home to perish. No, not one. And he wants you to repent for your sins and ask for forgiveness. And some verses in the Bible use this word remit instead of forgive. Or you might hear this term remissions of sin, remission of sin. And so this word mission means to send out, to send, right? And when you add R-E before it, this prefix, it means away. And so when you put it together, remission of sin is sending away your sins, getting rid of your sins. Christ came to get rid of your sins, remission of your sins, to remove that pain, to remove that suffering, right? For all of eternity to come and, and, and never bring those sins back upon you. God loved you so much, right? And he demonstrated this love for us that while we were yet sinners, the Bible said, Christ died for us while we were still on our way to hell and doing terrible things. He died for us and he loved us. So the plan of God and the message of Christ is that God, Jesus the Messiah, came in the flesh, came to earth to seek and save those who are lost, those who are sinners, and he then gives us abundant life. He came to give us life, more than we can even dream of or imagine. Thank you, Jesus. Now sin separates us from a holy God. We're all sinners. We need help. We can't do this on our own. So without God, our future destiny is hell and banishment from the presence of God for eternity. But God wants a forever relationship with everyone who can hear me, yes. with you, with me. He sets this plan in action even before the creation of the world. He wants us to be holy. He wants us to be pure. He wants us to be blameless. But sin has corrupted us and that plan. And so God loved us so much. God loved you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for you. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You need to get that. You need to get that. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. This is scripture. You need to get it. So many people have never heard the word of God clearly. All scripture says anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And at the end of this message, we'll serve communion to anyone who, who, who is saved. And anyone who repented for their sins. And believe in the work at the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And invite him into his heart. You will be saved if you do this. And this is the only requirement, really, for communion to be saved. I'll give more instructions then at the end of the service. But I want you to know that before I even finish this message, you can know Christ. You can know him. You can invite him into your life. You can repent for your sins. You can ask him in. And, and you don't have to wait for the end of the message. Because you might leave here early. You might not even wait. You might say, hey, I'm done. I'm going. And get, go and get into an accident. I'm not wish that on anyone. But you have no guarantee of how long you will live on planet Earth. And so your life better be right with your maker and God. Or else you're taking major chances with your life. And so you can immediately, no matter how good you are or bad you are, you can immediately find salvation in Christ by just speaking to him from your heart. Lord, I repent. Come into my heart. Yes. And you will live with him for eternity. Now, 1 Corinthians verse 1 of chapter 15. So 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 1, Paul reminds them of this gospel message and this salvation. And he says, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and which you have taken your stand. 
By this gospel, by these words, by this gospel, you're saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you first. Importance that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. So we're, we're following Scripture. That he was buried, that he was raised the third, on the third day according to Scripture. Some don't believe these words. Some believe this is just an ancient book and who cares? And they compare it to the other ancient books. No, this is a special book. If you're not saved, you're lost for eternity. That's so simple. And you miss the plan of God for your life. God has a plan and purpose for every one of you. Every one of you. And you miss it if you don't understand this. Now we remove from the plan to the proof. The plan to the proof. Verses 5 through 9 of the text verse that I read. Many people saw Jesus after the resurrection. He saw Peter. He saw the 12 apostles. He, he appeared to more than 500 people, right? Um, many who were alive and many who slept, right? And Paul writes these words. And Paul includes himself in all this, verse 8, when he says, of and last of all he appears to me. And so Paul the, and then the apostles and Christ's disciples, hundreds of them, are, are proclaiming the good news of Christ. And so what does this word gospel mean? Simply good news. Good news, right? And so during Christ's time, some people didn't, didn't know the gospel message, but it's good news. Right? But today we know and we look back and we know today we know it's a good, a good news message of Christ. It's about Christ going to the cross to save us from hell, to save us from banishment, from, from save us for eternity not being with God the Father. And the Corinthians received this word. They were saved. They held on to it. They received it. They believed it. So they were saved. But they were also dealing with the worldly ideas. And they were watching the news of their time. And they were listening to the nonsense of that day. And their theology started getting all messed up. And they were questioning the resurrection of the dead and of the believers. And we'll touch on that shortly. And while Christ has to go to the cross, he had to go to the grave, right? He also had to be resurrected. Because many have died. Many have been placed in a tomb and have been placed in a grave. But not many have been the first to be resurrected. And we know that in scripture, if you were to read it, you would say, well, hey, we know that a lot of people were raised from the dead during Jesus' time. And they were raised to the dead, dead prior to the Jesus' resurrection. But you see, that was more of resuscitation. They were not in their glorified body and they would die again. And they, were going to be, they would die again and go back into the grave again. But Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection. He's the first to be raised from the dead. And his body will never perish. It raised, what they say, imperishable. It was sown in weakness, but raised in glory. Raised in the power of God. Raised through the power of God. And it will be that way forever. And therefore, there are more resurrections to come. You see, one day we will have a new body. Everyone will have a new body. The real question is, where will you spend eternity? Heaven or hell? With God or with the enemies of God? And that decision is really based on you. Based on what you believe and while you're living and breathing on planet Earth. Deny the work of the cross. Deny the resurrection and you remain in your sins for eternity. It's so clear and so simple. You don't just die and go back into the ground like many people believe. No, you get a new body, a resurrected body that will be part of you for eternity. That's a long time eternity, right? So where will you live and, where, and with whom will you spend eternity? Now let me explain this process of the cross in more details leading up to the resurrection. So the process, it's brutal one. 
The crucifixion it was an extremely painful way to die. You would typically be nailed to a cross, or, or ropes would be put on you, and you'd, you'd be hung there, right? The, and the arms and the legs would eventually are going to give out, and the, and the blood is pouring out of you from all the scourging that took place. And, and you'd get weaker and weaker, and as you start trying to settle down and your arms are hanging, your back would be shredded on the, on the, on the wood that, that had those little pieces sticking out, right? And so you get weaker and weaker, and you're hard to breathe, and you couldn't grasp for air, and so you slowly are suffocating yourself while you're losing all that blood, right? The Roman people did not create this process, but they were experts in this process of death. We get this word excruciating from the, from the, the Roman word out of the cross. And this was a brutal, brutal way to die. In fact, many people die even before they get to the crucifixion because of the scourging that took place. And that scourging was them putting, making whips and putting putting bone and steel bulls on it, and they would whip you and whip you and it would, it would hit your body and it would bruise you and break you and shred you. And every time they pulled out, it would tear your face and tear your back and tear your side. This is brutal, brutal way to die. Brutal. It's painful. And Christ was beaten and bruised so bad, he was unrecognized by so many people. His face was shredded and they put thorns in his head. He was losing a ton of blood. This process is evil. This process is demonic. Can't even imagine this. Now let me say this too. Some say the Romans killed Jesus. Others would say that the religious leaders were the ones who did it. They killed Jesus. The religious leaders. Others point to Judas and said, no, he was the one. He was the traitor. He was the one who sold out Jesus. But we need to understand that he went to the cross willingly for you and I. He died for us. We put him on the cross. If you want to think about it. Because we're all sinners. So he died for me. He died for you. He died for us. He died for all people. He died for all, all groups of people. I don't care what color you are. And I love to see diversity. I love this diversity here. I hope we have more diversity here. More culture here. And more languages that come in. Because God is a God of diversity and God of culture. Hallelujah. But he died for all nations. He did this to set us free from death and the banishment um, from his presence for eternity. He loves us so much. Some say he really didn't even die. I don't really understand why they think that. He was placed in a grave. He was placed in a tomb. Some say he was asleep. I don't think so. I can assure you he was dead. The Romans were expert in death, in murder, in killing. They knew he was dead. In fact, John 19.34 says, One of the soldiers pierced him with a, with, a, 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 a side of, with a spear going right up his side into his heart. And, and, and it flowed out blood and water. Many articles have been written on this. Many proofs and doctors can attest to why the blood and the water were mixed together. Jesus, let me tell you, was dead. He was dead. And because of this, they didn't have to break any of his bones, which again are from the words of God and from the scripture and from Bible prophecy. John 19, 36 to 37, these things happened so that scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And another scripture says they would look on the, on the one they have pierced. Jesus is dead. He's placed in a tomb. And yet they guarded his body. Why did they guard his body? Why did they do that? 
Not because they thought he was going to be raised from the dead, but because they didn't want his body stolen. They didn't want the story to go out there that he was resurrected. And so these soldiers are guarding him with, his, with their life. If, if Jesus is stolen, they will be killed by the other Roman soldiers. Their job was to guard this tomb and make sure no one touched it. But he wasn't stolen. He was resurrected. He arose from the grave. He conquered the grave. Death could not defeat him. The grave could not defeat him. And we rejoice because of that. He was the sinless one. He is the chosen one. He is the anointed one. He is the son of the living God. And our Redeemer is alive. And you need to understand that. He's alive. He has defeated death. Amen. And so while Satan... And the, and the demons, they're rejoicing in the crucified Christ at this moment. And Rome and, and the religious leaders are so happy. They're thinking, we, we won. That's what they're thinking. We won. We finally silenced Jesus. We finally silenced the movement. We finally silenced this, this great movement that's starting to take place. But they were wrong. And if they don't confess their sins and if they don't turn to Christ, they would eventually be dead wrong and banished to hell. But he arose. As scripture declares it. And hundreds and hundreds of people saw it after the crucifixion. After he was placed in the tomb for three days, he arose. He's alive. Our Jesus is alive. But we have to come to the cross and we have to go through the cross. The ugliness of the cross to get to the resurrection. But let me be clear. The sin price was paid on the cross. It was paid on the cross for you and me. And it was paid in full by Jesus Christ. And so if it's true, and it is, then why is the resurrection so important to study and, and think about? And I think that's a great question, not because I asked it, but because many other people have asked that. And one commentary answered it this way, and I thought it was pretty good. If the cross is the payment, the empty tomb is the receipt. If the cross is the payment, the empty tomb is the receipt. The resurrection is the proof that he lives. He lives. Imagine if you dedicated your life to some job, to some, some leader, and, and, and the leader's just killed. And, and, and it was brutal the way they, they got him. And, and fear takes over and, and to the point where you're thinking, hey, I'm part of that crew. You know, when the head one gets hit? Better watch the rest of the crew. They're going to be looking for the rest of the crew. And so if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's fine. But, let me, but understand this. There's people who when you get the head guy, the other people are in trouble as well. And, that, and that's what the disciples were looking at. And so he lied. They lied. They lied. And they were asked, are you one of his disciples? They lied. Why? Because they were scared. So what do they do? They, they try to watch from afar. And then they eventually like run and hide. And they eventually go back to things that they knew. Because whatever they knew was now broken. They go back and they go back to fishing and their friends and their family. They're depressed. They're confused. The anxiety. Hey, things didn't happen like I thought. We didn't expect COVID with all the 2020 vision and all the prophecies. They didn't see coming. And so now anxiety and fear and depression has hit all times high. You need Jesus. I know maybe you need medicine too, but you for sure need Jesus. And they're running and they're hiding and they're scared. But there's something about the cross and the resurrection. Jesus returns to them and he shows them and reveals he's alive. And he spends time with them, right? 40 days, around 40 days, he's running around with them, hanging out, having cappuccino and some cannolis or whatever else you like, right? So he's hanging out with them. He's talking with them. He's spending time with them. 
And he explains more to them. And so they're encouraged. Cafe con leche. Right? Right? But Jesus encouraged them. And they're hopeful, right? And their mindsets now starts changing. Everything changed because he's resurrected. Everything changed because they see Jesus and they experience Jesus for themselves. And they understand his words are true. These words are true. These words are from God. That the Messiah, the anointed one, is the resurrected one. And he's alive and he lives. Everything has changed. And now they rededicate their life to him. And they start telling the story. And they start serving him and his, for his glory. Amen? They have a new boldness and they start running around. They stop hiding and they start, they start putting forth not their agenda, but they start putting forth his agenda. They start living for him. Life takes on a totally new meaning. They get sold out to their calling. He's alive. He's alive. And they start running around telling everyone Jesus is alive. They can't stop it. They can't stop it. They are just so filled with excitement. There's a new excitement in the air. Jesus is alive. Nothing can stop them now. Right, Junior? Nothing's going to stop them now. Whether at work, whether they're working, whether they're playing, wherever they go, they start talking about Jesus' excitement in the air. No demon, no government, no religion, religious institution, no family or friends, no, no anybody is going to stop them now because they believe in the resurrected one. They believe in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Jesus is alive. And when you experience the resurrected one, everything changes. Almost every one of the disciples would die for Christ. Now, I'm not saying die. We want to live. But if you want to live forever with him, you need to receive Jesus. Hallelujah. They became fully devoted ones to Christ. We need to understand that. Jesus died on the cross for us, and now he lives, seated on the throne in heaven. The Bible says, praying for you. He's praying for you. He's praying for you. He's making intercession for you, praying, to, praying on your behalf. He loves us, and he doesn't want to leave us alone on earth, so he sends us the Holy Spirit to reside in us and to live with us and to teach us and guide us and to empower us. And so without his power, we cannot live the life we were called to live. It's just impossible. And so we, too, are now those who receive Jesus, to be his disciple and to live differently and to go into all the world proclaiming the good news of Christ. Basically, wherever you are, going into the, all the world, so you, you either, like we learned from the missionary, you either go or, or you help or you send funds, right? There's so many ways to do this. But you go and give out the good news message of Christ Jesus. He's crucified. He's, he was killed on the cross, but now he lives. And he continues to live through us. And one day we'll see him face to face. Because one day we are all going to be resurrected as well. You will get a new body. Some of you might like this body. I got injuries. I want a new body. I want to like walk through a wall and see my fishbone hanging out in the wall. I don't know, if you don't know that story, it's all right. But Jesus walked through the wall and I just had this image of the bone stayed there and he just kept going. Because everything's different with that glorious body. It doesn't act. 
It wasn't made for, necessarily for here. It was made for eternity. These soldiers guarded the tomb with their life. The empty tomb basically means that the resurrection is true. The empty tomb means that the soldiers have failed guarding that tomb. But no one has stolen him. The soldiers could not stop the supernatural work of the Messiah, right? The power of God, they could not stop it. So he wasn't taken. He wasn't stolen. He was simply resurrected. In verse 12, some of the Corinthians were saying uh, there was no resurrection. And Paul tried to correct them and Paul tries to remind them in third, verse 13 and 14 if there's no resurrection then not even Christ has been raised if Christ has not been raised our preaching is useless and so is your faith many live this way they don't believe in the resurrection power of Christ they don't believe that he was God and therefore their faith is in vain and our salvation would be in vain as well our work and effort to witness and to promote the, the gospel message would be in vain. Our preaching would be in vain. Our preaching would be useless and powerless. And, and more than that, we would be false witnesses of God. If you would keep reading, it goes on to say that Christ, that if Christ did not die, our faith is futile and we are left in our sins. And so if we're left in our sins, our destiny is hell, banishment from a holy God. And so then we have no hope anymore. And we should actually be pitied. In fact, Paul says that, that we should be pitied more than all men, right? It would make God a liar. It would make his testimony not true. Verse 29 through 30 says, Now, if there's no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? As for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? Paul is making, I think, a worldly argument here. He's not saying that we should do this practice of baptizing people on behalf of the dead. But he is saying that there, that there would be no hope in this practice anyway. And so many cultures and people um, believe in this afterlife like this. And they're practicing these things. And if the dead were, were not resurrected, then, then this practice would be futile. In fact, Christianity would be futile as well. But because... We are Christ. Without Christ, they are lost for eternity and end up in a terrible place. But with Christ, they gain life, everlasting life with God. If there was no resurrection, why should we work so hard at ministry? Why should we work so hard at life? Why should we endanger ourselves? And why should we subject ourselves to moral conduct and good behavior and obedience to God's words? Why should children pay attention to anything their parents have to say for just randomness? Why would any of this matter? Why, why live differently than the world? Why model Christ in your life if it doesn't matter, if it's all futile, if it's none of it's true? Then, then, just, then just eat, drink, and be merry today because tomorrow you die. Verse 33, he tells us to stop being misled. Do, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts. Good character. And come back to your sin, senses as you ought. And stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. See, people are trying to lead, lead, lead you astray in church. And those who might not know Christ, they're trying to lead you astray. People are leading you to sin. But Paul says, come back to your senses. Come back to your senses. The resurrection is true. Christ... Christ is alive. Finally, the power of God, the power of God, the power to raise the dead, the power of the resurrection, the power to, to bring Jesus alive and to resurrect all of us as well. And some still ask, how can this be? And Paul starts talking about the power of the seed. And you can read that beginning at 
Verse 35, I believe, you plant the seed and the seed is not the body. And there are many types of bodies, God's word says. And God is the one who gives the body and all flesh is not the same. There's human flesh, there's reptiles, right? There's, there's birds have another, fish have another. There's heavenly bodies, there's earthly bodies. And their splendor is different as well. The sun, the moon, the stars, they all have a different splendor as well. And towards the end of this chapter, it starts to explain a mystery beginning at verse 51. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye. That's pretty fast. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet was sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. There's going to be a resurrection for the saints of God and to those who trust and live for him. There's also going to be a resurrection for those that are not saved and don't believe in the resurrection of Christ. John 5, verse 29, for those who might be taking notes, do not be amazed of this. A time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear this voice and come out. Those who, uh, those who have done good will rise to life, to life and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. Jesus Christ is the righteous judge. Don't think you'll bypass the Father by bypassing the Son and the work of the cross. No, you, you won't. The only way to be with God for eternity is through the Son and through the cross and through the resurrected one. We will all be resurrected. We will get new bodies. We will not go to the same place. And some will go to heaven and some will go to hell. That's how simple it is. And so this question, as we get ready for communion, and we start examining our hearts, where will you go? And with whom will you spend eternity with? And many think it's about their good deeds and their good deeds will get you to heaven. No, that's just not true. It's based on the work of Christ, not your work. It's based on the work of Christ. And if the Lord is Lord of your life, you can't make it to God and make it to heaven without going through the cross and the pain and the suffering. In fact, we do this. We take communion in remembering of his work. Jesus tells us to do this to remember his life, his death, his resurrection. And let me give you this warning today. If you do not believe in the work of the cross and the power of his resurrection, please do not call yourself a Christian and please do not participate in this moment. It's okay for you not to do it. Some people, there's reasons why they're not doing it. We're not going to judge them. You don't have to do it. Because I believe it brings curses on yourself and that's why some are sick and some even die because they don't understand this process. This is a holy process. It's not about this church. It's an ordinance of, of God for us to do this, to take holy communion. Don't take this time lightly. The truth is, once we receive Jesus, we must die in a self to our, live for him but die to self. Galatians 5, 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the sinful nature with its passion and desires. Luke 14, 27. Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Galatians 2, verse 20 says that we've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But Christ, I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's Jesus who loved me and gave himself for me. So Jesus loved us and died for us. And now we die to self and live for him. That's the process. And so when you look at the cross, what do you see? For some see a crucifixion. They see Christ still on the cross. And they see the pain and the shame and they're re reminded of it. For others, they see an empty cross like we have in the corner over there. 
It's an empty cross. He's not on that cross anymore. And yet we still are reminded of the work that he's done, right? That we have a destiny now in heaven with him for those who are saints of God. And you can argue whether this is real or not real. You can, you can debate whether hell is real or exists. You can debate all these truths that the word of God said and said some man wrote it and blah, blah, blah. You can do that all. But you know your destiny's hell. I don't want to say go to hell. I'm not saying go to hell. I'm saying you will be going to hell. Well, that's messed up, Pastor. It is. Don't go there. Why would you choose that for yourself? Many simply don't believe in these words. Many don't believe in, in what God is trying to do. He came to seek and save you. He wants you saved. He wants you redeemed. He wants you to have a forever relationship with Him. Why do you choose not to go His way? Too hard, too difficult, too many rules, too many laws. No, just follow His way. Why are you running off the cliff? Just follow His way. We look to the cross. We will be saved. We believe in what he's done. Reject the cross. You're lost for eternity. Will you believe God's words today? With the Holy Scriptures recorded. Or will you reject these words? There's power in the work of the cross. There's power in the resurrection Savior. Could change your life. And where you spend eternity. I believe that in my heart. Jesus is alive. Amen. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Would you stand with me? And saints of God, while you're preparing for communion and you're examining your heart, let me just quickly say on this resurrected, this resurrection Sunday, this Easter Sunday, I will just quickly do this and then the, and we're going to close in just a few moments. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you heard these words but don't really understand that He is not Lord of your life, if you're not sure if you are going to heaven or hell, this Resurrection Sunday, you can know. And we're not going to embarrass you, but you just need to say, you don't have to say this out loud, but you could just say, I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. And if you raise your hand, we'll just acknowledge that and say, hey, okay, we're going to pray for you. We're not going to embarrass you, though. But let me tell you, every one of us, every one of us who believe in Jesus Christ, everyone at home, we all had to accept Jesus the same way if we want to have eternity. If you want to be helped, if you want to be healed, I believe it's going only through the cross and the power of the blood of the Lamb. And so you just simply say, Father God, forgive me of my sins. Speak to Him from your heart. You can say these words or not. Father God, forgive me of my sins. I, I heard the story of your life, the cross, the death, the resurrection, and I believe in your saving power. Forgive me of my sins, all my sins. Wipe them all away. Come into my heart to stay. Come into my heart today. If you said anything like that, you're saved. But some people have said that 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 80 years ago, and they continue to live like the devil. Don't you take communion until you repent for your sins and say, I have backslidden, I am wayward. Because you will bring damnation upon yourself. I can't explain it. Scriptures explains it. Let a man examine himself. Let him eat of this bread and drink of this cup. They don't do it right. That's why some are weak, some are sick, and some die. So after you all had an opportunity to follow the Holy Scriptures, the supremacy of Christ, the supremacy of the Word of God. After you've had time 
Lord, forgive me of my sins, Lord. I repent as well for sins known or unknown, God. If I harmed anyone in any way, I repent. Forgive me, oh God. Pray for the bread. I'll read this. And Father God, I pray for this bread as we remember your work on the cross, your life, your death, your burial, your resurrection. We remember your broken body. We ask you to bless this bread, which is symbolic of your body. It's symbolic of your body. Blessing in Jesus' name. And when he gave thanks, he broke it said, take eat. This is my body, which you do in remembrance of me. Let's do this together. This cup is symbolic of his blood. Let me just tell you, this church does not believe or promote that we are drinking blood. It happens to be juice because we want all people of faith to be able to Partake with us in this. All Christians to partake with this. So we don't have alcohol in it. Because some people have problems with alcohol. So it's just juice. It's symbolic of his blood. It's symbolic of, of, of the stain on the cross. It's symbolic of what he did on the cross. Lord, we, we, we thank you for being willing to die on the cross. And, and shedding your blood. And we know by your stripes, by your blood... By your stripes we are healed, oh God. It's said in the affirmative. It's said it's done. You have seen it already done. You have seen it already finished. And you know that by, by your stripes, oh God, by, by your son's stripes, we can be healed. And we will have a resurrected body. And it will be a glorious body. And we will live with you forever and ever and ever. And so it's the timing of it all that we worry about. We want healing and health on earth. So we know that you have the power to even heal today. And so right now, Lord, before we partake in this, I just pray, Lord, if there's anyone who's sick, if there's anyone who's hurting, if there's anyone who's suffering with depression or anxiety or suicide, even yesterday I was talking to someone who's saying they know three or four people that they were talking about suicide, young teenagers, suicide. The word needs to go out that the methods are failing, but God's words never fail. We need to understand that. It's by the blood that we can have healing. It's by the power of the blood that lives can be changed. If you're going through any of this stuff, get help. Go to the doctors. We believe in that. But come to King Jesus. Come to King Jesus first. As you're going to the doctors. God gave us doctors. God gave us teachers. God gave us scientists. And, we're, and we welcome them. We thank you, Lord, for this cup. Thank you, Lord, for this blood. That was shed on it. Blessed in Jesus' name, amen. In the same manner, he took the cup and after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this and often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And we remember the work on the cross and that he lives. Our resurrected Savior lives. Let's drink his family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We'll sing, we'll sing this song and then we'll close. Feel free to come around these altars if you choose to. If you need prayer, we'll pray with you as well.
everybody a happy Easter, a resurrected Sunday, a resurrection Sunday. Amen? Amen. God is so good, church. Why don't we give him one more?